and welcome to the Love Key Church message of the week. Love Key Church is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity, and atmosphere through worship music and the Word where people can encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and then help others to do the same. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, Valetta, and our four children, we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. As I said, today we are tackling a, a subject that I think we all have thought about quite a bit, especially over the last year, and there's different ways that we may have gone through different types of suffering. And so I feel God has led us today to, in our series of aligning with Him and what He wants and what His Word says, the next subject we're tackling is the whole idea of suffering and understanding it from a biblical perspective. And I'm saying this right up front, even before the tithes and offering message, because even in our tithes and offering message now, you'll see that there is this theme of suffering. And I'll break it open as we go through this today. So I want you to turn to your Bibles um, to 2 Samuel 24 from verse 15. This is going to be a bit of a long text, (laughs) but it's such a powerful story. And what is happening here I think is really important. So read together with me and then we'll chat about it. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel. From the morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord. When he saw the angel who was striking the people, David saw the angel striking the people. And David said, behold, I have sinned and I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad, he's a prophet, a seer for David. He came that day to David and said to him, go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. So David went up to Gad's, uh, at Gad's word and the Lord, as the Lord commanded. And when Arana looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And Arana went out and paid homage to the king with his face on the ground. And Arana said, why has the, my lord the king come to his servant? David said, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Arana said to David, let my lord, the king, take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Arana gives to you. And Arana, he said that to the king, may the lord your God accept you. But the king said to Arana, no, 
but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land. And the plague was averted from Israel. So when you read that whole chapter, you see that it starts off with a very interesting sentence. The Lord incited, because the Lord was angry with Israel, it says the Lord incited David to have a census of the people. And then he does it. And then he realizes, as David, that he sinned against the Lord. Now, you may listen to that the same way I did and think, what is wrong with having a census? And I had to go look it up. And I found out that from the days of Moses, God made it clear that in the tradition of the Hebrew people, you may only count what belongs to you. And the people of God belongs to God. So when you count the people as a king, you are sinning against God. Because what happens when you know how many people are under you? Pride comes in. Haughtiness, all that kind of stuff. And David knew this. So he knew that he sinned. And he went to God and he repented. He repented of his sin. This is the main reason that the Bible refers to David as a man after God's own heart. is because when he sinned, he went to God and he repented. And this is one of those moments. It's at the very end of the life of David. But he is still that man. He knows when he has sinned. And God answers him through a prophet. The prophet named Gad. And he comes and says to David, okay, you have a choice of three consequences to your sin. And he chooses the third, which is a pestilence for three days. And this thing kills 70,000 men from Beersheba to Dan. And as the angel who, would, who was doing the destruction was setting his face, his hand against Jerusalem, that was his next stop, then the God stopped the angel. He stayed the angel from doing that. And what happens? In that moment, the angel is about to go for Jerusalem. David sees the angel. So David had this ability to see the spiritual. He had just sinned, but he is still close to God. He repented, but there is a consequence to what has happened. And, and he sees the angel, and he sees what's happening, and he goes, God, why, why are the sheep, the people that haven't sinned, why are they being punished? Please, t- turn it towards me and my house. Let me suffer. And then he doesn't get an answer from God. But the, the, the prophet comes back, Gad, and he says to him, you must go to that threshing floor and build an altar unto God. And when you give your offerings and burnt offerings, then God will stop the pestilence. So David goes to this land. And what happens there is because of the favor of David, because of the name that David carries, the owner of the property is willing to give him everything for free. 
But David knows that if it doesn't cost him something, it's not going to change anything. So David says, no, thank you, but I'm going to pay for this because it has to cost me something. He says, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to my Lord, to the Lord my God, that cost me nothing. We see here that his sin caused suffering, the suffering of other people. The only response that changed the situation, that ended the suffering, was his burnt and peace offerings that cost David something. As I said, today we're going to talk about different kinds of suffering and understanding suffering. We see a king here that's, that's responsible for a nation, a steward of God's people, but he's not their owner and there's also a big lesson for any of us that is in leadership. We don't own people. He sins because of pride. He realizes and he repents, but there's still a consequence to his actions. He gets a choice. Imagine, if you go read the chapter, you'll see what he had to choose between. It's a horrible choice either way. And God, he asked God, Rather turn it again. Well, he sees the angel who is about to go against Jerusalem, and God has stayed the angel. He didn't stop him. So this thing is not over. And he has to enter into this thing, give this offering so that God will relent. I believe the scripture has an application to our worship and in our tithing and offering. When our flesh, our comfort, and our convenience is challenged, stripped away, when it suffers, in other words, there's something that happens in the spiritual realm that's very significant. David understood this, and we need to get this as well. Worship, tithing, giving an offering, it should be uncomfortable and inconvenient. It should cost us something. It should hurt in a way. Why? Because then we know we're really giving of ourselves, we're really laying down our pride, our flesh, and our selfishness. Today, I want to invite you to bring your tithe into the storehouse of God, to ask Holy Spirit to lead you as to what to give. As he led King David to go there, to let it cost him something, and it changed the whole situation. I know this is not the most exciting or most honey-dripping message about tithes and offering. And I know this, this also speaks to me. It really challenges me. But I can tell you from my own life that the times when I gave and it was easy, it didn't change much. But the times where I couldn't really give and I sacrificially gave and laid down, that is when change came. That is when significant impact happen in my life. So I want to encourage you today. Don't do what you can do. Do what God leads you to do. Be obedient, even if it hurts. Because on the other side of that little bit of hurt, inconvenience, and un uncomfortability, there may be a breakthrough that you are trusting God for. There may be a change. There may be healing like there was for the land of Israel. And I want you to know that when you partner with this ministry, with your tithe, offering, or giving, it's very important that you know 
you're part of a ministry that reaches more people with the gospel message, that wants to positively impact marriages and families, play a role in the eradicating fatherlessness, shine a light on the crisis of cultural Christianity, and help to bring unity to the body of Christ. And know that we also want to start a social justice leg of this ministry that can really help people and that we also sow into trusted organizations that is making a difference in Israel. There are several ways that you can contribute. It's in this uh, post we've done. It's on our website. So check it out. Choose the way you want to give and be faithful as you give and a cheerful giver as God leads you. Let's pray for the tithes and offering. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, it is a double-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow. And sometimes, Lord, it hurts to hear the truth of your word. But I know from my own experience that, Lord, on the other side of that uncomfortability, there is breakthrough, there is change, there is maturity. And I pray right now that as people give, Lord, as you lead them, that they will see on the other side the breakthrough, the maturity, and the growth. We pray for these tithes and offerings, Lord, that you will bless them and multiply them. Help us to, to use them in a wise way to further your kingdom. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for partnering with our ministry. Thank you for those who have been diligently giving and sharing what they have and making it possible for us to do this every week. We really appreciate you guys. We love you and we honor you for that. All right, let's get into the main message. As you may know, if, but if you are new, you may not know, we've been busy with a series called Aligning with God. The values of our church is encountering God, aligning with His purpose, and reigning in life, helping others do the same. And that is what we are focused on. And we started, when we planted our church last year, we started with a series on encountering God, and now we're busy with a series of aligning with God's purposes, God's plans, God's will. And we've looked at what, is, what does love mean according to God? What does the fear of the Lord mean according to God? And what is faith according to God? And today, we're going to go into a very interesting subject of suffering. Not something we get preached on, or not something that gets preached on often that I've heard, um, but it's all over the Bible, all over the New Testament. And we need to understand what God wants us to understand from this word. And... As I go into this, I, I am a little overwhelmed and, and nervous because it's a difficult subject and there's so much here. And I'm going to do my utmost to share with you what I believe God has been communicating with me about it. But I know it's not exhaustive. There's so much more to say, so much more to get into. Um, but I ask that you will just go with me through these scriptures and let God speak to you and let him reveal to you what you need to learn today and grow in. I'm going to give you our main scriptures, then I'm going to share a few principles, ask you some questions, share some principles, share a story with you. I'm going to give you a few other scriptures, and we're going to come back to these two, all right? So stay with me, make notes, and let the Holy Spirit lead you. Lord, I pray that as we enter your word and as we do this, that you will lead us in your truth. Lord, let nothing that is said and shared be untruth, but let it all be truth from your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So our first scripture is 1 Peter 4. I want to encourage you to go read and meditate on the first letter of Peter. It is an amazing letter where he is explaining to the people that he's writing to, to the church, that they need to understand submission in order to understand sacrifice, in order to understand suffering. And by the time he gets to the fourth chapter, what we're going to read now, he is talking to them about what they should understand about suffering. And here from verse 1, we hear 1 Peter 4, verse 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. What mind? The mind of Christ. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. If you want to live for the will of God, you need to have the mind of Christ when it comes to suffering. Have you thought about that before? That blew my mind. 1 Peter 4 from verse 12 to 16 and then verse 19. It says, Beloved, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. What's he saying? Don't be surprised that you're going through a tough time. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. All right, so suffering, exceeding joy. There's a connection. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Do you want the spirit of glory and the spirit of God to rest upon you? Then you must be okay with being persecuted for his name. But let none of you suffer. Sorry. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody, in other people's matters. In other, ways, in other words, don't suffer for sin that you do. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good and to a faithful Creator. Lekker. Lekker skrif. <laughs> Nice and comfortable message here today. (laughs) All right. I'm going to give those scriptures a chance to sink in, to speak to our spirit, spirit man. And I want to ask you something. Have you ever been in a situation where you had an expectation of something great that's going to happen? And it actually happened. And maybe even happened in a better way than you expected. In other words, you had an expectation of something great's going to happen, and it happened. Has it ever happened to you? If it has, give us a comment, yes, or a, or a high five, or a thumbs up. Have you ever had such an expectation of something good that will happen, but then the exact opposite bad thing happened? Maybe that's happened to you. If that has, give us a, give us a high five there. Give us a thumbs up. And there's also the moments in life that you may have had where You didn't expect anything. You had no specific expectation about a certain time in your life. You were just going through the motions and then something unexpected happened that disrupted your life. It could be good or bad. 
It could have changed it for the good or for the bad. If that's you, also put up your hand for us. Now, if you've said yes or no to any of these questions, yeah, let us know. And the reason I'm asking these questions is because I think sometimes in, in, our, in our Christian lifestyle, we believe that Jesus is there to fix all our problems and that we'll never again have any problems going forward. In other words, I've become a Christian and now all my troubles are gone and I will be without trouble for the rest of my life. Has any of, any of you thought that before? Maybe. Sometimes the way that we are preached to when we get saved, the, the type of message that's preached during our salvation makes us think that. It's possible. In other words, you think the Christian life will be easy, comfortable, and convenient. Anyone think that or have thought that before? Maybe you started out that way and, and you've learned that it's not that, that easy, that simple. Some others may have come into the community of, of believers believing things will get worse and that only pain, suffering, and poverty is the name of the game when you're a Christian. In, in Afrikaans, we, we used to have a saying for people going into the mission field, sendeling elendeling. You know, so it means when you are a missionary, it has to go bad with you. You have to suffer financially. You have to suffer in all kinds of other ways. Maybe that's the mindset. Some of us believe God is just waiting for us to sin so that he can punish us severely. And we're just trying to get to heaven in one piece. That's how some people see God. And others may believe that God's grace and power is for us to live how we want to live this side of heaven. And that all consequences of our actions are just it's covered by the blood of Jesus. No worries. It's fine. His grace is sufficient. I can do what I want. I'm fine. All these different kinds of belief systems or ways of thinking about God and Christianity within the church or even outside the church. Maybe you know, you're not saved, born again, or you have people around you that are not believers, but they believe in certain principles of good luck or karma or whatever it may be. These things create expectation in us. And what happens when we expect not to suffer as a Christian, and then when we do, what happens? It is possible that we get disappointed, and that disappointment can lead to bitterness and eventually actually take away from our faith. What if we just want to be happy and live peaceful lives? And what we mean by that is we will experience no pain, no suffering of any kind, and just cruise through life. What will happen to our faith when tough times come around? On that point, I want to ask you, what do you believe happiness is? Do you believe like the secular humanistic ways of the world believe that we all deserve happiness and that means living convenient, comfortable lives, having everything we want? That's the definition. Is that what you think we all deserve? Or is there maybe a better godly way of living where it's more than happiness, it's a place of joy in a relationship with the Creator God. I just want to leave that question there for a moment. It is very possible that if our expectations of God are not met, that we will start believing God is a liar and that not everything in His Word is true. Because if this one thing 
is not true, then how, how can I believe everything else? I want to share a quick part of our personal testimony about these kinds of things. Now, I know we all have our own stories. We all have our own versions of going through tough times, trials, tribulations, suffering. And it's not about comparing notes. <laughs> my, my mom has a saying, you know, sometimes we look at other people and, and, and we think, man, the, their life looks a lot different than mine. It looks better. You know, the, the grass is always greener on the other side. I want to keep up with the Joneses. You know, we have all these kinds of things. And she says, but if, if you actually go to all those people that you think you want to be like and they actually pack out all their problems, all their struggles and sufferings of their past, present and future and you pack out yours and you look at your troubles and their troubles, you may just pick up your own troubles again and go, go back home and be grateful because we don't know what people are going through. And your trouble is your trouble and your thing that you're going through. So I'm not sharing my story to, to say it's better or worse than anyone's. It's just to say that this is what we have been through and how it has shaped our lives. So at the end of 2013, we started an amazing journey of four big life-changing decisions that we felt God led us to make. And I was really convinced that at that point in my faith journey, that if I do what God says, it will go well with me. And in, in, in principle, that is true. But if, if I think well or good means that I'm you know, fortunate, I've got enough money, I've got no debt, I um, can live the easy lifestyle, I can travel wherever I want, then that is an expectation I put on God. And then when I'm told to be obedient, like David, and it costs me something, I'm surprised. <laughs> and that's kind of what, what I went through with this whole experience. And it started by God showing us that we need to move to Somerset West. And we did that. And initially it was exciting and great, and I mean, how, how difficult can it be to move to the Cape, right? Uh, but soon, and very soon, it seems like the wheels started to come off, and our plans didn't really work out the way that we wanted it to work out. Shortly after that, after getting to the Cape, um, we've, I felt that God said, I must leave my record label. Now, for those that don't know, I'm a musician, I make records, I make music, I do shows, and I had a record label at that stage, and my contract was coming to an end, and I felt God say, don't renew, go on your own. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then the next one was to renovate a house that we couldn't really afford to renovate. And then out of that whole experience, the fourth big decision was to move from commercial, or some people would say secular music, into Christian music. And through this whole journey, our faith was tested. Our trust in God was tested. But one of the biggest things that happened with me in this whole process was that my, my understanding of God and my trust and my love for God was challenged and shaped. We had some horrible moments of uncertainty, of lack of finances to a degree that we've never experienced before. We thought that we would lose everything. We really got to that point. I, I, I got to a point where I believed I was a really bad provider for my family so I've shared the story a few weeks ago with some of you in the church, and, and, and it just got really bad, really difficult. We couldn't afford medical aid. 
in the time, we couldn't afford it. My, my oldest boy broke his arm. And, and I just felt God has let me down. And I felt like a victim. We were visited by a West Bank. And the next visit would have meant we would lose our cars. Um, we, we had a lot of low moments. Coming from where I was in my life to this point was very, very difficult. And I felt like I was suffering. I felt uncertain. I felt worried all the time. And I didn't know what was going on. And I kept going back to God and saying, Lord, but you said, Lord, but you said, why are we going through this? Why is this happening? And to make a very, very long story a bit shorter, God came and showed me that I don't really love him. Not to the extent that he wants me to love him. That I didn't really trust him. I trusted in a credit card and some savings and some other ways of taking care of myself. And I didn't really worship him wholeheartedly. I was worshiping other things. I was ambitious for what I wanted. And by putting me in this very difficult situation and my family, we came to a point where we realized that this, it started shining a light on pride, on just misunderstanding who God is and what His love means. And it, it was a really, really difficult time. But in that feeling of being in a pit, that feeling of losing everything, I felt that God came and He met with us. And He started speaking truth. And because I was in that place, I listened in a different way. I, 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 I let Him shape me. I let Him mature me. And because I was leaning into him and letting that happen, we could grow through that. We could see the truth of what was really the truth and sort out the lies and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, understanding the why was one of the big things for me. I, I have this sort of personal tendency to want to understand everything. <laughs> um, so I was going, why, why, why? And when God started breaking open to me that there are different reasons that we go through what we think is suffering and that some of it's necessary, some of it could have been avoided. I started seeing a whole new other perspective on this whole thing. So, let me ask you something. If we think of life, you think of who you want to be, how you want to live, I want to ask you this. Would you like to be perfect, complete, lacking nothing? How many of you would want that? Just raise a hand, thumbs up, some kind of emoji in the comments. Want to be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Next question. How many of you would like to have a strong character and a sure hope for the future? Hands up. Anyone? I would like that. How many of you would like to have peace? Just every day, all day, you just, no matter what is happening, what's going on, you just have a sense of calm and peace, right? Who wants that? Okay. How many of you would like to get to a place where you don't sin anymore? No more sin in your life. Okay, so I'm going to repeat those questions quickly. How many of you want to be perfect, complete, lacking nothing? How many would like to have strong character and a sure hope for the future? 
Would you like to have peace? Would you like to sin no more? I'm going to read three scriptures to you and then come back to our first scripture in Peter. And I want to show you that the things that you want, that you just said that you want, are all born out of suffering. (laughs) All right, let me show you. James 1, verse 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Other words for steadfastness, some of the other translations says patience. It produces patience or endurance. And let that steadfastness or patience and endurance have its full effect. Can you hear that that's a process? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That is from the word of God. He says, count it all joy when you face trials. How many of you get excited about it? a good old trial, a good old challenge, nice bit of suffering? Yeehaw, come on, let's get excited. It's so contrary to culture. It's so contrary to normal human thinking, right? But here it is in the word of God. It's telling us how to position ourselves when trials of various kinds come our way. So what do we know? There are various kinds of trials. I'll get into that just now. Let's go to Romans 5, verse 3 to 5. And not only that, but we also glory in what? Tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You want to have perseverance and hope? You need to glory in tribulations. John 16, 33. This is Jesus himself speaking. I'm reading to you from the Passion Translation. He says, and everything I've taught you, Jesus says to his disciples, everything that I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me, Jesus, will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Why? For in this, in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. When? Apparently always. (laughs) Apparently it's part of life. This is Jesus saying, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. So we're in an unbelieving world that has troubles and sorrows. But Jesus says, if you are in me and I am in you, you can be in a rest and a peace that surpasses anything you can experience in this life. Do you see that? That's an amazing promise. Now, let's circle back to our first portion of Scripture, 1 Peter 4. I want you to listen to this again now with what we've been speaking about in the background. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Do you hear that military term? Arm yourself with what? A mindset. What kind of mindset? The mindset of Christ about suffering. What did he do? He endured the suffering for the mission set before him. 
so that the whole world can be free. We need to have the same kind of mindset. Why? Because if we have it, we can get to a place where we don't sin anymore. Because when you go through suffering, your flesh dies. When your flesh dies completely, your spirit is completely in control. Led by the Holy Spirit. Obviously this, I mean in the context of you are a born again believer. And then you can get to that place where you don't sin anymore. That you no longer should live the rest of time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. We need to get the mind of Christ right in terms of suffering so that we can live according to God's will. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is, which is to try you, as though some strange thing is happening to you. What's he saying? Is it going tough? Don't be surprised. This happens. But he's talking about suffering for Christ. All right? He's making a distinction when you are suffering for persecution's sake for Christ. In other words, this is a righteous reason to suffer. Then it's good. But make sure you're not suffering because of sin. He goes on to say, make sure that you're not suffering because you're a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. Trials, tribulations, suffering, pain, we all face it in some way. Different forms of it in varying degrees, but we all have experienced it. From David's story, from 1 Peter, and from my story, and from lots of other scriptures and other people's testimonies, I believe we can see that there are at least five different kinds of sufferings and trials. And I think it's important for us as the people of God to be able to know that there are different kinds and to know that what, what am I going through currently? Where does this fall? Because if I know in which category it falls, I can know what to do in that situation. So there are five types that, that I believe there are. Maybe there's more, but I think most will fall into one of these categories. First one, suffering caused by other people or circumstances out of my control. That can be a disease, a natural disaster, or just someone who has hurt you in the past or is hurting you right now or just breaking your spirit. The second one, is the consequence of your own sin. Like David, he sinned, and there was a consequence of suffering. Sometimes we do things that are not in the will of God, and his word tells us, if you do these things, this will follow. His grace is sometimes mind-blowingly amazing, and he covers what you've done. But know that there can be consequences, and sometimes what you are facing right now it's possible that it was caused by your own actions. The third one is God's discipline. A lot of people don't like this one. They don't like to think of it this way. Because God is good. Yes. Are you a parent? If you're a good parent, you discipline your children. You set boundaries for your children. Right? God is the same. And it's confirmed in John 15. It, Jesus says to his disciples, the, God is the vine dresser. He prunes the, the branches who have fruit, so that they can have more fruit. So God's discipline is for us to grow. The fourth one is persecution, the one that Peter speaks of. Persecution because of your faith. Going through a tough time, being 
um, insulted or this treated badly or boycotted in some way because you are a Christian. And the last one is the very real one of the devil attacking you. All right. It's important to be able to discern why we are going through something in a difficult time or trial. And we must ask the Holy Spirit which one it is. Why? Because then we know what our plan of action can be. So, Find out, what am I going through? Is it because of what someone else has done? Or is it because of something I've done? Or is it just God taking me through something so I can grow? Or is it persecution? Am I actually standing up for God's word? And now there's consequences. It's very important to be able to discern these things. We can see from Paul's life as well. I'm in the third category in our persecution. From Paul's life in Acts 9... That he was, God actually planned for him to suffer. (laughs) And I can prove it. Acts 9 from verse 15 to 16. But the Lord said to him, this is now Ananias, the guy who God told to pray for Paul. Ananias is going, Lord, didn't Paul just, wasn't he just killing Christians? Why do you want me to go to him? Why do you want me to pray for him? And the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I will show him how much he must suffer. Now, how much did he suffer? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22 to 28. This is Paul. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. You see the humility of Paul? (laughs) I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Five times lashed 39 times. Imagine that for a moment. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all churches. How do you think Paul was coping? He is telling us what he's going through. We see from, the, from Acts that God planned for that to happen. Now I know this may be going against a lot of stuff that you believe. But I will repeat what I said in the beginning. We're a Bible-believing church. And we need to align ourselves with what the Word of God says about these things. Why? It's, it, I'm not telling you today that you will suffer and life will be horrible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we need to understand God's idea of suffering so that we can approach it the right way. In other parts of the Bible, Paul says to him, I have learned to be content when I have nothing and when I have everything I need. The same guy who went through all these things, I've learned to be content. The same guy also said that in this life, uh, sorry, he said that to live is Christ, to die is gain. So to be in this world is 
to be Christ for people, to build the kingdom, to get the gospel message out, to die as gain. Why? Because then I go to heaven. I go to, go to God. So what is he saying? Whether I'm here or whether I go, I'm in a good place. He has gotten beyond suffering into the place of understanding why. And the other category is we need to know that there is a real enemy, Satan. The Bible says he walks around, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. It also says that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his mandate. So yes, there is a devil, and he is out to get the people of God and other people as well, to keep them away from God. But I think it's important for us to not mix these categories. Because sometimes we will do something wrong, for example. I will sin. And then there are consequences. And then I go, ooh, it's the devil. No. (laughs) Your actions had consequences. Was it the devil that tempted you? That's very possible. But you still did it. God says, I will not tempt you beyond what you can handle. So, and in whatever you face, there's always a way out. That's a promise from God. So, the devil didn't take your hand and do something. That's one example. We need not, we must be sure that we don't crisscross these categories. We must understand them, which one we're in and how we need to respond. Okay, so now the question is, how do we respond? James says, count it all joy when trials of various kinds come your way. So in any trial that we face of any of these categories, what do we need to do? We need to respond with joy. As I said, Romans confirms this by saying we need to glory in tribulation. Jesus promises tough times in this sinful world, but he will be with us. In John 5, verse 4 to 5, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes this world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We spoke about faith last week, the week before that. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you see this amazing promise? It's kind of a a repeat of what Jesus said earlier when we had um, John 16. So how do we count it all joy? Romans 12 tells us that we need to be renewing our minds always by constantly being renewed with being in the presence of God. Worshiping God, reading his scriptures aloud, making it part of who we are. It's very important that we get to that place where we let our minds be renewed to become more like Christ. Peter said we need to get in alignment with how Christ sees suffering so that we can live a life without sin. It's all about renewing our minds. How do we renew our minds? We do less of what the world does And we do more of what the kingdom of God asks us to do. What is that? Reading the word of God. Proclaiming the truths. Singing songs of worship unto him. Okay. We need an action plan. For for category one, this is stuff that happened to us. Or situations beyond our control. We may not be able to control what has happened or is happening. But we can control how we respond. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can respond in a positive way. Category two, where we have sinned, what do we do? We need to be intentional about growing more mature in Christ, having his mind 
And we will sin less and less. But if we have sinned, we need to repent like David did. And we need to make right what we can make right. Category three, when God is disciplining us, we need to sit upright and listen. Lean into how he and why he is disciplining us. We we must not despise God's discipline in our lives. We must welcome it. Because it means we're going to a next level. It means we're going to mature. And like a loving father, he is shaping us. Category four, persecution. I think sometimes we read parts in the Bible that is actually about persecution and we want to make it about our own personal suffering that falls in another category. Please make sure that you're not attributing persecution to something that's not persecution. But if you are going through persecution of some kind, know that this is exactly where God wants us to be. This is where we can make a difference, shine our light and And we need to just stay close to him and he will guide us through it. And we know that at the end of it, there's a prize, the glory of God. And the last category, this is a big one actually. It's it's where the devil wants to come against us. I think this should be a sermon on its own about spiritual warfare. But for now, I just want you to know that if you are being attacked in some way, there's two things I would say. Firstly, we need, before an attack even comes, we need to know that it, it possibly can come. So we need to be ready. So we need to have an offense. We need to have our offense ready, which means we need to be prepared. We need to have the scriptures that God promises us about these things ready in our lives. What we do in our family every night and in the mornings on the way to school, we pray the armor of God over our children. We, We stand on 2 Corinthians 10 that says, we have weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, arguments, and lofty ideas. And we stand on Psalm 91 that says God will protect us if we make him our dwelling place. Those are the kinds of things that you need to have ready in your life. And then if you are attacked and there is suffering because of that attack, these are the same things that we can stand on, the same things we can wield when that comes. Know that in God you have, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's important to know that scripture as well. All right. I know I've... I've talked about a lot of stuff and I've given you a lot of information. The most important thing for today to take home is to know that there are five different kinds of, of suffering that you must ask God, why are you going, which one are you falling in and how to respond? And then to lean into Him, lean into His Word, lean into, his, into praise and worship and spending time with God. And I'm, I promise you, He will lead you through it. It may not go as quickly as you want it to go, but remember Sometimes we need something to have its full effect to have the full growth we need to go through in our faith. Remember, perseverance, character, hope, these things are being shaped in our lives. Suffering produces mature Christians, and we need to be aware of that. We must not shun away from it. We must not be afraid of it. We must know that it's a part of life, but that we have been given tools to handle it the right way. All right. I want to create a moment where, where we all just reflect and respond to this right now. So just wherever you are, just close your eyes. Do you feel that, that you might be in a period of suffering? Just right now where you are, I want you to just close your eyes and, and, and think, am I going through a tough time? What? And I want you to ask right now, just where you are, just ask God, Holy Spirit, show me Which type of suffering is this? Which category does it fall into? 
and, and ask Him to show you how to deal with it. The first big thing is to just give it to Him. Just surrender it. Say, Lord, I am going through this and it sucks. It's hard and I don't know what to do. But please help me to understand what it is, why it's happening, and how I need to approach it. You may not get the answer immediately, but I want to encourage you to stay close to Him and keep asking. If it's sin-related, repent. He is faithful to forgive, says His Word. If God is disciplining you, lean into that. Let Him, let him shape you. Let Him get you to the place of maturity that He wants you to be in. If you're being persecuted for your faith, rejoice. Get excited about it. And if you're under attack, know that you have the armor of God around you. Pray it over yourselves, your family. Stand on that word every day. And lastly, I just want to say there's so much power in praise. There's so much power in thanksgiving. Psalm 100 says, We enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Never underestimate the power of prayer and the power of praise. It is so important. We have a saying in, in English and in Afrikaans where we said, I've tried everything and now I'm just, all that's left to do is to pray. No, that's the first thing. <laughs> we have to start there. Prayer is powerful. Prayer to God with praying scriptures and understanding His will. That is so powerful. When we are going through something and we thank God in the midst of it, we praise God in the midst of it. What do we do? We take all of that stuff into the presence of God. And that's, it can't stand in His presence. So I want to encourage you. Get on your knees. Pray. Praise and worship. Put praise and worship music on in your house, in your car, wherever you are. And just praise God at the top of your lungs. If it's going tough, if your mind is going in a direction that you know is not good, if you're surrounded by people with toxic ways of thinking that's affecting you, get away from that. Get close to God. Get close to His Word. Praise Him. Worship Him. It turns things around. I can tell you that from my own life. Get some of, some of these scriptures that I've mentioned and confess them out loud. Go to Ephesians 6 and just confess those um, warfare weapons that you have out loud. Psalm 91. Psalm 100. There's, you can go from Psalm 95 to 100 and read that every day out loud. It's about praising God and making His name great. I'm telling you, you'll be so encouraged. All these things are ways that we can get close to God. We are encouraging Joshua 1 to meditate on His Word day and night. Why? Because that's how we overcome this world. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person watching and listening right now that You will come and speak to them exactly where they are into that specific thing that they're struggling with, into that specific form of suffering. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will shine your light, your truth, that they will be able to discern what am I going through? Why is this happening? That they will be able to discern the type of suffering. I pray that they will be able to discern the right response, Lord, as you lead them. I pray that they will take the tools given today and use them in their lives. And I pray for the breakthrough, Lord, on the other side of this. And that there will be maturity, character, hope for a future. Lord, we love you, we honor you, we worship you, and we thank you for this time in your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We love you. God loves you. He has an amazing plan for your life. And my prayer is that He will bless you, 
and keep you, make His face shine upon you. And that you, your marriage, your family will be blessed as you go ahead into this week. Thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next week again. Please share this with other people. Please subscribe on YouTube and on our different platforms. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church message of the week. We trust that you found that encouraging, inspiring, hopefully challenging in a good way, and that you will come back next week to listen again. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. May God bless you and keep you, and make His face shine upon you and your family. Bye-bye.